0: Hello and welcome to The Lakovian Report. This week, Rishi Sunak goes completely mask off and also releases his 10 points on how to fix the country. As well, Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago is raided by the FBI. So last week, Rishi Sunak was going around trying to get people to vote for him in the leadership election and he said openly that he was taking money away from deprived urban areas, as he put it, and putting it into areas like Tunbridge Wells, which is far more affluent and far better off now. It really eludes me as to why he would say this whilst being recorded. It it seems to be something strange with the Conservatives who, whenever they do something stupid and unelectable, they always seem to record it. Like you had Boris Johnson practically taking selfies uh, during lockdown parties, and now Rishi Sunak is basically saying, I screwed over the poor on camera. Brilliant strategy. He said he inherited labour formulas which were pumping money into deprived urban areas, i.e. areas that needed the funding. You know, they were funding those areas properly and Rishi Sunak just changed it and started taking them out and moved them to more affluent areas. This is the kind of thing that people joke about the Conservatives doing, but he's actually been doing it, just, you know, taking money away from poor people and giving it to the wealthy people. You know, it, it it's also... Apparent from this, obviously, that uh, this is probably what led to the massive increase in poverty and food bank use, you know, up to nearly 2 million people now. So is it any surprise, really, that this is part of the reason? In 2019 as well, they uh, like to talk about um, making public services efficient, you know, making the NHS more efficient, etc, etc. Uh, Rishi Sunek uh, railed on that pretty hard, but he's not even making public services at all he's taking their money away not making them more efficient so but of course what shocked me the most is the fact that he said it on camera it's almost like out of satire you know if someone wrote this in the thick of it or something people would not believe it that he would just admit to it so publicly but i mean sure other members of the party may have screwed people over but at least they didn't talk about it so openly (laughs) Sunak has also released his 10-point plan on how to fix the country if he were elected Prime Minister. It's going to be full of great ideas, I'm sure. Pledge number one, rebuild the economy. I mean, he's been in charge of it for a few years, but at least it's nice of him to uh, clean up his own mess. He's going to do this with apparently big tax cuts um, of income tax by 20%, so some lovely, provenly wrong Thatcherism, which uh, will no doubt fail horrendously just at the time that we need it. um. Policy number two, scrap VAT on energy bills. To be fair, this is a good idea. It'll save families a couple of hundred pounds, but at the same time, it's too little, um, since energy bills are predicted to hit four grand a year next year. So um, he's going to have to do a bit better than that, I'm afraid. Uh, Number three, cut NHS backlogs and fine people for missing appointments. Now, he says this, but no pledge for extra funding or pay rises um, in the face of nurses who are about to strike soon. Um, so again, too little, too late. Um, as for finding people for missing doctor's appointments is a bit harsh. Uh, I mean, even Katie Hopkins came out of the woodwork and said it was a bad idea. So, you know, if, I mean, if she's coming out and saying that you're doing something terrible um, as a conservative leader, then you probably are doing something pretty um, bad in terms of ideas. It also seems a bit strange to find people when getting a doctor's appointment in the first place is so hard. I mean, you have to book at least like, what, three four months in advance um, and even then you might not get seen it so if people are missing a doctor's appointment it's probably not because they are vindictively trying to waste the NHS's time it's more just because other things got in the way and they genuinely couldn't you know I don't think people should be fine for that. Policy number four deliver on Brexit and scrap all EU laws. Pretty hard to deliver on Brexit it's been a train wreck so far but whatever I love the perseverance. This probably just means amounting to more deregulation and probably fewer workers' rights. I mean, he said he would ban railroad strikes, so, you know, can't wait to see the ECHR get repealed or something like that. Number five, tackle illegal immigration and make the Rwanda policy work. Now, the Rwanda policy, at best, sends about 200 immigrants to Rwanda for £120 million to the Rwandan government. I mean, even if it weren't illegal and immoral, it is horrendously ineffective and Abhorrently expensive, so I really don't think he possibly can make that work. Unless he scrapped it, that would be cool. That would be nice. Please, Rishi. Number six, uh, crackdown on crime. Um, this just basically just means harsher sentences and a special task force to deal with dreaming gangs. I didn't realise that was that big of a problem. Um, but you know, I mean, it sounds like a good idea. What Is missing, however, is cracking down on the causes of crime, so really all he's going to be doing is filling up the prisons, uh, not actually stopping people from committing crimes again, which is unfortunate, but that's conservative penal policy for you. Number seven, transform education and make maths and English compulsory until 18 and crack down on, quote, poor quality degrees. Now, poor quality degrees, what does that mean? Is it just going to be banned sociology degrees or something like that? You know, it, it's a it's a very conservative view, seeing that education is only something that will get you a better job when it's not just something to enrich you as a person or something that people follow because they want to. Um, moreover, making maths and English compulsory until 18? Why? Why would you do that? It, A-level maths is hard, man. I took it. At 16 you can decide to join the army or have a child but not to decide whether to continue with maths or english why most people don't need a level maths if they're not doing a career in maths i, I can't speak about english because i didn't take it but you know nobody needs to know how to do differential equations unless they're going to <laughs> pursue a career in maths so making people do it until 18 i don't i just don't i just i just don't see the point really and cracking down on bad degrees, that's just a bit weird. I think it's a waste of the time. You know, if people want to waste nine grand a year studying something that they're never going to use, then I think you should let them, really. Number eight, strengthening the union by ignoring Nicholas Sturgeon. How does that strengthen the union? You're just going to anger the Scottish people more. You know, it's only going to grow the independent. Tr- Movement and when they finally do have a referendum, it's almost definitely going to swing against you if you spent your whole career just ignoring whatever they want. So it seems a bit counterintuitive there. Number nine: protect the green belt, build more houses on brownfield sites. To be honest, I'll take it. We need more houses, but at the same time, it should be noted that this is pretty much just a handout to the uh, Tory donors in like countryside areas who want their high prices to remain. If you build more houses in the countryside, those house prices will plummet. So. It's a bit of a handout to them, but you know, we just need more houses, man. That said, there are about eighty thousand empty homes in London, I think, something like that when I last checked. Um should probably stop putting people into them before we build more, but whatever. Finally, his tenth pledge is to win the next election. Good luck, mate. You're probably not even gonna win your own party election, but I love the high aspirations. Now Jeremy Corbyn, a well known pacifist, was interviewed last week and he said that we should stop arming Ukraine. He said quote, pouring arms in isn't going to do isn't going to bring about a solution. It's only going to prolong and exaggerate the war. This is disastrous for the people of Ukraine and for the people of Russia. End quote. Now, obviously the war and being bombed and being shot at is terrible for the people of Ukraine. Obviously, war war you know, war is not good for anyone. Except the military industrial complex. But what's worse is making it harder for them to defend themselves. I mean, the point of a simple and peaceful diplomatic solution is now lost. You know, once the war started, you can't really start negotiating immediately, right? And Ukrainians are overwhelmingly supporting fighting on to defend themselves. Any peace settlement which favors Russia is going to be arguably worse for Ukraine than the war itself, right? It's going to cripple them and it's going to result in huge amounts of land lost. The way you stop that is by improving their ability to fight back and negotiate from a position of strength. If you want a negotiated settlement and a quick end to the war, you make the Ukrainians able to fend off any kind of Russian attack, and therefore they will be able to negotiate from a position of strength and end the war quickly as pressure mounts on Putin. You don't just withhold all your weapons from them and you know let them fight a trench war of attrition. You know That's going to be worse for them. You you, you you know, you negotiate from strength. A weak and isolated Ukraine is going to have a much, much harder time negotiating than one armed with, you know, state of the art heat missiles and, you know, uh, seekers and uh, javelins and tanks from Poland and all of that. So, in general, while I do massively support uh, Corbyn's pacifism, uh, you know, I think we should have less warmongering in the world. Once war starts, you really can't be a pacifist because the time for that is kind of over. You need to win quickly, you know. It reminds me of a George Orwell quote from around the start of the Second World War, where he said something along the lines of, I'm probably getting it wrong, but pacifism is objectively pro-fascist. If you do not want to fight the fascists, you are helping them. In effect, If you are not with me, you're against me. I probably got most of that wrong. But the gist is there, basically. Once war starts, if you don't want to fight the warmongers, then you are helping them. So, something along the lines. But Corbyn also said we should get the UN and other international bodies involved. I think that's a good idea. I think international mediation is vital, and a better platform for the UN is good. Basically, anything that strengthens international cooperation, I am absolutely in favour of. But at the same time, it must be from a position of anti-imperialism and Ukrainian strength. Otherwise, the peace deal will be inevitably worse for Ukraine than the war. In other words, the UN, if it gets involved, should not try and have a peace deal that, you know, makes everyone happy, you know, like just cede the Donbass to Russia or something like that. It should be staunchly in favor of white peace, you know, Russia pulls out of Ukraine at the very least, right? Even if they keep Crimea, that's the very least end to the war. Best case scenario, Ukraine gets the Ukraine back. Ukraine gets Crimea back, sorry. But, you know, the UN should still get involved and do something. You know, actually start fighting for peace in the world, I think. Now coming from the University of York, the pretty bleak prediction that by January 2023, more than half of UK households will be in fuel poverty. So, they'll be struggling to pay their bills. They'll have to be paying more than 10% of their total income just on energy. That includes 58.3% of households in Yorkshire, 47.5% in London, and almost 72% of all Northern Ireland households, plus 80% of all pensioners. Wow. Wow. So, when more than half the population is struggling to pay their bills, That is a failed state, or a failed government at the very least. What else is it? You know, if that many people in a country as rich as the UK can't afford to pay their bills easily, that is a failed state. Already there's a campaign calling on people to just not pay their bills. Don't Pay UK is getting thousands of signatures when I last checked. It might have grown to hundreds of thousands by now. Um, I know at least a million people have seen their campaign, I don't know exactly how many are looking to join in, but Rishi Sunak said he wants to strengthen the union. Does he truly think that when 72% of Northern Irish households can't pay their bills, they're going to want to stay in Great Britain? I mean, already in Stormont, um, Sinn Fein is the largest party. This is not going to help him, but what did he pledge to help with it? Almost nothing. Cut VAT on energy. Good idea, but it's far too little. And on top of that, Boris Johnson said um, he's not going to do anything because the new Prime Minister is coming soon, but people really can't afford to wait another day. You know, they're skyrocketing by the week, by the day, you know. People are really struggling already, but currently there is nothing from potential leadership, nothing substantive that will really, really help people in the way that they need. This is not the case everywhere. Some say it's because of the war in Ukraine, but that is not true. In France, for example, the government put a cap on the wholesale price of gas and electricity, forcing companies to temporarily sell gas at a loss. But that's fine because they can afford it. They've been making billions in profit. They can afford to do that temporarily. People can't afford to pay. What this essentially means is the EDF, uh, Energie de France. Um, was nationalized by the French government, because basically they complained about having to sell gas at at a loss, so the French government nationalized them. And now, in France, they have some of the lowest energy bills in Europe and among the lowest rates of inflation, because there is not a private company trying to price gouge its population. What is also interesting is that EDF supplies Britain, With a lot of gas and energy but at much much higher prices because over here it's not nationalized in france it is what that means is when people are paying four thousand pounds a year for energy next year that money will be going to a french company which is owned by the french government therefore the british taxpayer is subsidizing the french government and france that's brexit for you i guess so Why are we doing this? Why not also nationalize our energy companies so we can get lower profit, lower um, energy bills, lower inflation, and better control over them? Well, obviously the Conservatives are never going to do that. They love privatizing stuff. But what's unfortunate is that Labour has also said they don't want to nationalize energy companies because it's too expensive and costs a lot of money, apparently. Is that true? Well, I mean, not for the people. In France, it's way cheaper. But on top of that, the money spent bailing out just one private energy company in the UK um, has, would cost the same as the amount of money to nationalise all of them, according to the uh, TUC, Trades Union Congress. What that means is it is literally cheaper to nationalise them, even from a profit standpoint. That they will still be afloat and work, and it won't be a massive tax burden on the people or at least not more than just bailing out private ones, to nationalize them. So why don't we nationalize them? Why are we paying so much money to private companies that our country doesn't even own, and in effect subsidizing the French government? It just doesn't make sense. We should learn from the French. And even if you're right-wing, right, you don't like nationalism, you like private enterprise and all of that, you also surely want energy independence and security and brexit the benefits of brexit then stop funding the french you know let's have our own energy companies owned by our own government which provides cheap energy to our own people if not free energy that would be great but to continue privatizing them and continue having outrageous You know, uh, energy bills at this point, it just doesn't make sense. It's price gouging the people way too much when they really, really can't afford it. It's just that figure, 72% of Northern Irish households fuel poverty. 80% of pensioners, just under half of London. Under half of the capital, the capital city. If they can't pay their bills, then they're really in trouble. Really, really in trouble. Uh, but, you know, nationalize the companies, man. It's easy. The, you know, this is not hard stuff. Nationalize the companies, get a UBI going, force them to sell gas, even at a loss for t- for a bit. They've made billions in profit. They can afford it. The people cannot afford to pay. Easy. You know, this stuff is not hard, man. Now, across the ponds to the Americas, uh, the FBI has raided Trump's home looking for classified nuclear weapons documents. <laughs> wow. I've, throughout his presidency, Trump was known to flush documents down the toilet and tear up classified information that was intended for presidential archives. But if the FBI is knocking at your door with guns drawn, or knocking down your door more accurately, and breaking into your safe, then quite clearly you've, you're you're pretty suspicious. They They have to have proved probable cause so it's clear that the numerous investigations into all the shady stuff trump did are mounting with significant pressure if you have federal agents knocking your door down searching through your papers trump has also pleaded the fifth um if you don't know fifth amendment is the one that means you are not obligated to incriminate yourself or provide evidence against yourself Clearly he's done something pretty illegal and he knows it if he's saying that he doesn't want to incriminate himself. Why else would you plead the fifth? It's is right, but at the same time, it makes him look very suspicious. In, especially since he's also repeatedly shredded classified documents that were meant for archives. How dodgy can you get? He, he, he said he released a big long statement basically crying wow 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 they shouldn't raid me etc cetera, etc cetera. but he said that all of this was more or less just a democratic plot to attempt him to attempt to stop him from running in 2024 i think it's worth noting that the uh, fbi head who authorized this raid was appointed by trump so you know his own allies are turning on him obviously this is not a democratic plot biden did not was not sitting in the white house directing FBI troops to just invade Trump's home. This is just plain old justice system stuff catching up to a criminal. Trump said it was just another element in a plot against him which started with Russiagate way back in 2016. Now, to be fair to him, Russiagate was actually false. The Mueller report came out and said that Trump was in fact not a puppet of Vladimir Putin. He was not colluding with Russia. That is fair enough. However, you can't really fake hiding classified documents in your safe if the FBI agent is reading through them. You can't really get away with that. Fox News, of course, uh, went into meltdown saying that it was a Democratic bloc concurring with Trump entirely. Honestly, don't understand how. If this were some deep state plot to get Trump arrested, then why wouldn't they just arrest him for tax evasion? I mean, he admitted to it in 2016. He said that makes him smart. You know, it doesn't make sense. This is um, clearly separate investigations which are catching up to him pretty quickly. So, yeah, it would seem that uh, the Department of Justice is catching up pretty quickly to old Donny boy. I wonder how long he'll last before he runs away or actually gets arrested. It'll be pretty interesting to watch, especially seeing as he is quite clearly uh, signaling that he wants to run in 2024. I wonder if he'll make it. That's all for the Ovian report this week. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next week. Goodbye.